Hi guys, welcome back to the podcast 220s. Hello, welcome back. Um, so this week is a bit of a different one. We have a very amazing guest, as you could probably see from the title. It is all about men's mental health and we are interviewing someone. We just actually interviewed them. Um, his name's Sean and he's from the Shaka Project and he will get into um, who he is and what he does in the interview. But we really wanted to do, well, I specifically wanted to do this episode because it is something that's very close to my heart and I feel like it is very important. And yeah, yeah. it was a really, really empowering chat with him. Um, for men and women, yeah. Oh, sorry, for men, yes, but pretty much for everyone. Yeah. What he has to say is really, really educational and important. So, um, keep on listening yeah <laughs> but um we're just gonna get into our little introduction charlie how was your week my my weekend was amazing we went away we went to jervis bay yeah it um, just looked incredible it was so beautiful we had the most beautiful airbnb um and we just chilled at the house mainly you went with josh's family yeah we went with josh's family which is just so much fun because bambi was just playing with the kids i know all the photos look so cute of like all is it josh's brothers, brothers? yeah yeah, the, yeah. Looks, oh. so that was really really lovely um we went to Hyams beach as well oh beautiful in javis bay yeah it was so beautiful it's supposed to be the most white sand in yes Australia. we're yeah. actually googling that on the way <laughs> to confirm <laughs> confirmation we're going to the wider sand beach um and was it cold was it freezing not going to lie it was a little bit chilly with the wind yeah but um the boys still swam and stuff Beautiful. I did not. <laughs> and your week? Week. Um, we're going to Hawaii in about a week and a half. So I'm I feeling know. a little bit frizzy. I'm <laughs> s- fucking so jealous. Like I would die to be back in Hawaii. I know. I'm really excited. But that's why I'm frizzy because I'm trying frazzy. to. Frizzy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to get everything done and all like just so I can really just relax, relax. and be switched off. Yeah. So Don't worry, guys. Still going to have episodes while Charlie's in yeah, Hawaii. Yeah, we'll, we'll back them up. We're banking them. Banking them. That's what you're I not. How long are you say. going for? Two weeks. Ah, perfect. Yeah. Um, how was your week? Weekend. Um, my week and weekend was good. I I actually can't even think of what I did. I just did the usual. I think I. It was really nice on the weekend. The weather was beautiful. Mm. Me and Liv did the coastal walk, and then we went out to dinner on Saturday night with um Tegan, Liv, and my friend Bree. And yeah, it was really fun. Went out Sunday. Was chilled, just getting my life together. Um, and it's been a big week of work coming back into this week um and I have had a few issues this week of adulting which I posted on my close friends yesterday the poor doll had to (laughs) pay her car rego I had to do my car rego and my I was gonna say my tax my um green slip like my insurance and this is the first year that I've had to do it like I pay for it myself, but like without assistance of my mum, she's in <laughs> Europe. And I was like, I don't know what to do. And my car's under my mum's name, I think. Anyway, it was quite a hassle. And I had to go to the mechanic myself and do all this stuff. And turns out all my tyres were fucked and I should not have been driving. <laughs> so I had to go to the tyre place. And I feel like they just try to take money out of you because you're like a vulnerable <laughs> little girl. I can't even do You started crying. I started crying in the middle of the tire shop because I was overwhelmed and they were trying to stinge me out of my money. And the poor guy was like, 
oh my god like it's fine like you don't need to cry over tires and I'm like I know I don't but I'm overwhelmed (laughs) and I couldn't even call my mum or anything and I called my sister I was like I just freaking cried in the tire shop but she was like you are a dickhead but anyway that was my week um this weekend is I haven't got much planned just gonna be chilling um a lot of work there's a lot of stuff happening with me and lives um with LA at the moment so we're trying to really get that off the ground trying to build a website at the moment which you're helping us with yeah by sending voice notes because I'm too busy (laughs) yeah so which is a work in progress but um what's your love this week um my love this week is a fireplace a fireplace it's okay so at our airbnb we had a actually i might also recommend where we stayed it's called beachstone in it looks oh my god unreal and the um and and kid friendly yeah kid friendly oh when we got there there was already the cot and the high chair so we didn't have to bring that um but the host they have like 11 airbnbs and they're all stunning yeah anyhow if you want to go to jervis bay stay there it's beautiful and they had this fireplace and it's just it made it so homey so I kind of want a fireplace now well, in my in, apartment in your <laughs> in your forever home when you get a forever home fireplace non-negotiable Actually, Josh I've got <laughs> another recommendation because we went to this beautiful house I sh- made a shared note with Josh and I sh- sent it to him and I'm like ideas for our home <laughs> like 30 years has he contributed to it at all yeah no he was like yelling out things for me to add you know little details and you hate a shared note i love it (laughs) (laughs) i have so many like even josh was like to me the other day stop sending me shared to be honest you got me onto it now i'm doing it to other people like i do it to live all the time oh it's it's honestly great here's my thoughts (laughs) um what's your love my love this week i think would have to be the other night, I went for an ocean an ocean swim in the ocean bars, like the icebergs. But like a swim in winter is like... <laughs> yeah, I love it. Therapy. <laughs> I was telling Charlie about my love for this week before. And she obviously just wasn't paying attention to what I was saying. I was like, yeah, I went for like a winter swim. And she was like, yeah, I love winter swims. And then she like two minutes later, she goes, I don't know why I just said that because I have never gone for winter swim. <laughs> I was doing something and thanks for listening doll you know when words just come out yeah you just agree (laughs) (laughs) and I was like wait what did I just agree to I could have said anything but yeah no we went um did a swim and then a sauna at the iceberg and it was beautiful and then we watched the sunset and it was just one of those you know like wholesome it was freezing like she's such a Bondi girl icebergs living up to the name (laughs) (laughs) Emerson said that when we were there and I was like Emerson shut up that's such a dad joke and now I've just really taken it on board um but yeah (laughs) (laughs) I was like what are you going on about (laughs) do you understand now yeah 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 she's actually listening now um but I think that's all we're going to do for our intro this week because um, this is a really, really – this is probably one of my favourite episodes that we've done mm. and I think if you do have a partner or someone, chuck them into the to the AirPods and yep. get them to listen to this too because this is – Put it is, on the UA boom. Yeah, because this is a really important episode for both men and women, I think. And Just everyone. Yeah, and I, it may even make you cry a little bit to some of the stuff that Sean does talk about. He's a, a freaking amazing person. So let's get into the chat with Sean, shall we? And also we're not doing a pep talk this week because we have a full segment next week that we'll we'll discuss. Yeah. So there. Yeah. <laughs> so without further ado, we'll bring in Sean. 
Welcome, Sean, to 220s. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so excited to have you on. Um, We just kind of introduced you at the start, but can you please tell us, I feel like everyone would know you as the Shaka Project, and I feel like everyone on Instagram always shares your stuff, your quotes Quotes. about men's mental health, all of those things, Um, especially on Are You OK Day, I feel like everyone's sharing your stuff. So could you please give us a... Introduce yourself, why you started the Shaka Project and... What is the Shaka Project? Yeah, what it is essentially. Absolutely. So uh, I started the Shaka Project back in 2019 um, and essentially I started it for for my own sort of community. So I'm from Ballarat in Victoria, a very, very cold place, uh, an hour west of Melbourne. And I initially started the project because I I went through my own mental health struggles and and still do to this day and um, I think... Going through those struggles, I really found that there wasn't um, there wasn't a whole lot that men could do to really help each other on a more personal level. Mm. Um, there was obviously a lot of charities, a, lo- a lot of initiatives, um, but I really wanted to start something that you could have a really, really personal effect on someone and that you could see every single day. So, uh, as I said, I, I started it as a community project. Um, I'm a gym owner back home, so that's my wow. sort of main career. Um, and I used to do you know, charity fundraisers at the gym and... Um, we used to do awareness, awareness nights and stuff like that too. And I thought that was really, really great. It got a lot of people talking. Um, but the biggest thing about those events that we used to have, it, it got people talking for about 24 hours and then that was about it. Yeah, yeah. there was and no then, like flow and effect. Yeah, there was, yeah. There was no, nothing that we could see every single day. So I thought, what, what could we do um, that we could see the effect on someone or on a group of people every single day to get this conversation out there, um, to have that conversation a little bit louder, to destigmatise mental health. Um, so I decided, I thought, what better way to, uh, you know, start something than to buy a couple of T-shirts and <laughs> say, hey, who wants to be part of this club? And um, I, I, my idea was to get it out to members, to people in Ballarat. Ballarat's a pretty small city in, in comparison, um, but it's, it's got a lot of people there that are community-based and health-based. And um, I, I launched it. I think it was like a Thursday night. I remember putting the first Facebook status up. I made the, the Shopify account. Um, I made the Instagram, put a post up. I left it for a few hours, um, came back. All our merchandise was sold out. <gasps> wow, um, that is crazy. From all over Australia within the first 24 hours. Um, and like our reach on, on social media, we had about 10,000 shares on the first post. Um, Do you remember what your first post was? Yeah, it was, it was just a pretty much a, a brief summary of, of our project um the first line was too many men are dying yeah and i think that's what really struck with people people read that it was a photo that i took i was walking up the main street of ballarat i had a shaka t-shirt on and i took it like on selfie mode and it was a horrible photo (laughs) it was the only it was the only photo i had and i attached it to this status and it just went viral it went absolutely crazy through facebook instagram um as i said we sold out of our merchandise within 24 hours and as wow. soon as that happened, I sort of thought, all right, maybe there's more than just Ballarat that needs this. Hundred mm. um, percent. So many men reaching out, so many you know partners of men reaching out and saying, hey, my boyfriend really needs this, or my husband really needs this. And that's what I think we're going to speak about a lot today, because like as as women, obviously, it's hard if a, a male in our life is going through something, and I, I guess you can give us some tips on how sure. to. Mm like help them and what is the best way you find has helped them but yes continue yeah absolutely it's it really hit a um hit a sort of point where i was i was really making the decision of how to 
uh, proceed and how to sort of make this a bigger project. And I just sort of thought if we can make this much of an impact overnight, imagine what we can do, you know, mm-hmm. over the next couple of years. So um, I pretty much invested all my time, money, effort into uh, into this project and uh, it, it really took off from there, three years, almost four years down the track now and we're a nationwide brand. We do events all over the country just igniting this conversation about mental health. Um, we've got like a big warehouse down in Ballarat as well and office space and all that sort of stuff where we do events and... Uh, it's it's completely changed my life from wow. from a silly idea to to something that's now um, you know nationwide and it's completely changed the way that I live and um, my aspect of work and I've I've gone full time shaka now. So, so, so I was going to ask you yeah. full time. Yeah, so you, you still got the gym? Um, yeah, but I'm uh, I'm full time shaka now, which is <laughs> yeah. And you have staff and all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've got a couple of staff um, across the country that that do production and warehousing and. Um, all the admin stuff and all that fun stuff as well. Um, and I think I'm, oh. I'm now just the guy that travels around and talks to people. <laughs> yeah, literally. Like today. I yeah. know, because Sean is luckily enough to be in Sydney because you are from Victoria and yep. Ballarat. And, you know, we're so thankful that you could come in and, and speak to us because we, we want to do it in person because I feel like this is a really important conversation mm. to have. And um, I don't know whether you want to touch on it, but we were going to ask you kind of what your – like how did you, you you struggled with mental health what your kind of story was that kind of led you to yeah for sure. only if you're comfortable talking yeah, about absolutely. it yeah no problem so uh my story i suppose it started when i was about 12 um and uh my father came to me and he sat me and my brother down and he said that he has this thing called depression and we had no idea what he was talking about you know i was 12 i, I just said whatever dad wow that's huge for back it's, then um, yeah yeah massive and I think that's something that I, I still look back at today is, is a real inspiration to um, why I continue to do the Shaka Project. Um, so when he came to us and, and said this about him having depression, he said, you know, it's something that um, I have, it's, it's not going to, you know, it's not going to kill me. Um, it's something that I might live with every single day. I might be really, really happy. I might be really, really sad. It just depends on the day. Um, it's not your fault. It's not your brother's fault. It's not your mum's fault. Um, it's just something that I've got. Wow. And at the time, again, I had no idea what he was talking about. You know, I was pretty young. My brother was, uh, he would have been 15, so he might have had a bit more of an idea. Uh, but I just sort of continued on. As soon as he said, it's not going to kill me, I thought, okay, no worries. Mm. That's mm. whatever dad has, he has it. Uh, when I got to 16, I started to experience these, um, you know, poor mental health um, days, weeks, months, where I was starting to feel, you know, bad about myself um, there was there was many feelings coming in. Obviously, 15, 16 is a is a big part in um, a teenager's life and it's stuff as well. You're going through high school, and there's there's a lot of things going on. And straight away, I was able to recognise that this was mental health. And the only reason I was able to recognise that is because, because my dad, dad had the conversation. So you were educated quite Absolutely. young, and yep. your dad showed vulnerability, which sure. allowed you to recognise it. Definitely, yeah. And don't get me wrong; it was still very scary. It was it was mm-hmm. frightening to you know, be 16 and go through these things and go through these thoughts. But straight away I knew that because my dad had that conversation with me so young, um, I was able to identify You're it able to, to recognise it, yeah. And able to sort of say, all right, what do I need to do now? So that's something – my dad still suffers today. I was going to say how he's – yeah. He's still with us, but he um, he still suffers to this day. And, um, you know, I had a conversation with him just a couple of weeks ago about this and I told him this story. Uh, we, we had a shackle ball uh, at the start of the year. And I got up and did a, a did a talk and told this story, and he never knew the story. He never knew that 
I still talk about that. It every had that day. lasting effect on yeah. you, yeah. And um, he he sort of really thinks back to that because it was such a small moment for him, <laughs> but it's had such a big impact on me. And and that sort of led me to really recognise when I was young that mental health was real. Um, when I was sixteen, I also started to get into drugs, alcohol. Yeah, um, like that, a lot of like a lot of people. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that pretty quickly took over my life. Um, by the age of seventeen, I was a I was a full blown drug addict and. Uh, I was still at school, so I didn't like school at all. I was uh, I was pretty much there for lunchtime. And I feel like that's like a lot of um, adolescents, they find like an escape in that if they don't like school and because, you know, you're just kind of stuck in school and you're told that this is what you have to do and like if you feel like you're not doing well, then it's just like... For sure, yeah. yeah. I hung out with, with, you know, with the wrong people and um, I think to, to, to mask my mental health, I just turned to drugs, alcohol, party, which is so common. Exactly, it's such a common thing to do now. Um, even even you know with the older generation as well. So I got really really stuck into that, um, and that really affected my mental health. Um, I lost a few friends to you know we had one of my close friends, she was killed in a car accident when I was uh, when I was seventeen. And wow, I just got chills. That was um, that was really big for me. It was a bit of a wake up call for me as well because I was. That the night that she was killed, I was in a stolen car. I was on drugs. I was I was fighting random people on the street. I was just up to no good. Um, and this girl that that died, she was just a, a beautiful, beautiful girl. She just turned eighteen, um, and she never did anything wrong. Never did yeah. drugs. You know, she had an odd drink every now and then. Um, a grad student. She used to do my homework. <laughs> um, like she was just amazing. And the wake up call for me was. That the next day I was able to wake up and she wasn't. Yeah. You know, I was able to wake up and, you know, I was coming down off drugs. I was hungover. I was 17 years old. And of you're kind of thinking, why her? Yeah, and why her? Like, yeah. Why not me? You know, I, I'm, I'm a no good um, citizen that has three stolen phones in his hand and has bruised fists from being in a, in a fist fight for no good reason. And I was in a stolen car last night and I get to wake up and, and go and see my parents in the morning and, and she doesn't. So that was a big wake up call for me to start doing something, mm. start sort of living life for some sort of purpose and reason. And you were 17 still? I was 17 at the time, yeah. yeah. Wow, yeah. Um, that's tough. Yeah. It is, yeah. And that, that really inspired me to try and find another path. Um, so so that, I, would, that was like a turning point for you it was at one that of moment. Them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, was, it was one of them. It was something that really inspired me to just, you know, see that if I kept living every day like it was my last one day, it was probably going to be the best. Yeah. 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 Um, and I was either going to be dead in jail um, or something else. So I I took up a opportunity to be a personal trainer, um, and I felt this was something that I was going to really, really uh, continue on because I was it was probably the only thing I was good at. I was good at doing push ups, and that was me. <laughs> 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 good know, at going was, to um, the gym. Yeah, my skills. Yeah, <laughs> I um, you know, I was no good at English or maths or anything like that but you know you've put me in a classroom where I had to do more push-ups than someone and I just wouldn't give up until yeah. I did it so I was I, I finally found something that I was good at I finally found something that I was sort of top of my class at so I really pursued that I, I said all right let's let's have a have a career in fitness and this sort of led me on a path where I was trying to you know I thought I could be something that everyone thought that I couldn't be and that was you know self-employed Mm. Um, I could run a business, I could own a business, um, I could be, you know, in quotation, successful compared to, you know, doing the nine to five or doing an apprenticeship, doing a trade, all that sort of stuff. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but 
I just wanted to do something different. Yeah. And um, so I continued doing that. I promised my mum in year seven that I'd finish year 12. She knew that I was going to be no good at school. <laughs> She's like, promise me yeah, right now. <laughs> I, I made the promise and I completed that promise. So I, I finished year 12. I didn't do any any sort of um, exams or anything like that because I already had a had a job lined up as a, as a personal trainer. And essentially as soon as I left high school, I started my own personal training business. Wow. Yeah, and it was really scary. It was like going from high school straight into business. I had no idea how to run a business. Yeah. Um, I was doing it out of my mum's garage as well so like i just got like a rebel sport bike and some weights and just do personal training out of there and you did pt with people yeah, wow yeah that is so crazy. It was really, like i had no overheads no didn't <laughs> rent or like that, so it was really good um so then sort of as my career sort of got bigger and bigger and bigger um i you know really really built up a pretty good business yeah and the worst thing about it is that Monday to Friday, I was I was a health and fitness professional. You know, I was Sean Lee from Sean Lee Fitness. And then from about Friday to Sunday, I was still a drug addict. Mm. Um, so you were still – you still had these habits? Still using, to, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. And it was just something I couldn't beat. I had reduced it so it wasn't every day. You know, back in school, I used to do it on the way to school, at school, after school, oh, essentially wow. whenever I could. Um, and then – you know, when I started the, the personal training career, I thought, all right, I need to be professional here. Monday to Friday. Monday to Friday, yeah. And the only thing I changed, it was literally that, go and do it Monday to Friday. Friday, 2 o'clock, you knock off. Did you find that you were living for the weekend? We've spoken about this before, how a lot of people live for the weekend. And is that something that you were doing? I think I was, yeah. I th- I, it probably depended on um, where I was at, at that stage um, of my life. You know, if I was in a relationship, I was trying to be – uh, you know, that goody-goody two-shoes and the good boyfriend and we're like, all right, let's travel and let's mm-hmm. do this and let's do that. Um, but then, you know, I had a lot of relationship breakdowns because of my um, because of my drug use and then I would just go on benders, you know, Friday to yeah. Monday and to fr- Monday morning. Just like a, a coping yeah, mechanism. Get away from it. Did you find the gym was also a way for you to kind of like I, – I know like physical um, – like. Us exercising makes me feel so much better. And did, do you feel like that started like as another outlet for you yeah. other than drugs? Absolutely, yeah. That was – I think that's why I was – Monday to Friday, I probably survived. You, that's what drugs. I was going to say, yeah. yeah. So I was able to get into the gym. Um, I wanted to be a professional bodybuilder. I, wa- I really wanted to chase that. Um, so I was really, really focused. I was in the gym, you know, three or four hours a day, every single day. Wow. Uh, well, Monday to Friday. Um but it was just that addiction that I couldn't couldn't really break. But I was really passionate. Obviously, I was passionate about fitness, but I was passionate about building a really good business and building a really good brand. Mm-hmm. And through all this, I knew that one day it was it was probably going to come to some sort of conclusion where my drug habits was going to take over that really good business and really good brand. Yeah, and jeopardize and, um, all of that. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened. And that was it was one night when I was uh, I was about twenty. I was 20 years of age. I was at, it was actually my 20th birthday party and I was out in Ballarat and I was at a point where my business was really successful. I had heaps of members, heaps of clients. It's crazy at 20 years old that yeah, you were so successful yeah. as well. making some good money. Which I, would also come as like a stressor. Like it also yeah. can deteriorate your mental health. Absolutely, yeah, because you're, you're, you're trying to keep up that brand and that, that sort of um, reputation that you built up. And um, I was out this night and I was high on drugs, high on pretty much everything that I could get my hands on. And I was at a pub in Ballarat and I got in a fight with someone for 
probably no reason whatsoever. Um, and ended up getting kicked out of the club, obviously. Walked down the road and um, got to the corner of the of the street there and thought it would be a really good idea to continue my fight, but with two police officers. <laughs> and obviously not a not good, a good idea. idea. <laughs> uh, they will always come out on top. So uh, that night I got arrested, I got pepper sprayed, um, I don't know if you've ever been around pepper spray, but it is the it's the worst pain. Yeah, it is. I could imagine. Unbelievable. Yeah. Um, and that was that was probably the worst night of my life. You know, got chucked in the in the divvy van and, and put in the drunk tank for five or six hours that night. And I think the worst thing from that was calling mum the next day and Yeah, there's <laughs> honestly <laughs> come pick me up from Ballot Police. Yeah. Station. Um but she's she's an amazing woman. Um and what sort of came off from that was my business that I built over the last two or three years, really good reputation. Uh, within 48 hours, everyone in Ballarat knew that mm. Sean... Yeah, because it's a small town. Us. Yeah. He was on drugs. He was fighting police. He got pepper sprayed. Um, he was... Uh, uh, apparently, I went really, really crazy. I was throwing my fists. So everyone was saying, you know, roid rage and all these yeah. rumours just mm. spread around very, very quickly. Um, obviously, majority wasn't... wasn't Rumours, you know, it did happen. I was, yeah. I was on drugs. I was fighting police, and within forty-eight hours, my entire business was was gone. Wow! Um, all my members cancelled. All my clients cancelled. Um, one of the police officers that was at the prison that night was one of my clients, so oh, no. obviously lost her as a client. <sighs> wow! Um, but yeah, just lost my entire business within forty-eight hours, and that's when my mental health really really deteriorated yeah um obviously i was already going through mental health issues i was medicated and that just yeah it's it was just it was debilitating because i thought that finally i i had made it to a point where i could say to all the teachers that doubted me all the people that doubted yeah. me that hey look i made it and then it just got all taken away from one night yeah and it was it was all my fault it was it was 100 percent my fault and um that was a, a, the start of a really, really tough two years for me. Yeah. And it's something that we talk about um, when, when I do events, we talk about this a lot and it's called the crisis stage or the crisis mode. And it's a point in mental health when someone gets to the point that they are completely okay, completely comfortable and completely um, at ease with the thought of taking their own life. Yeah. And yeah, I know this is something you wanted to talk about. Yeah, um, continue, and I'll ask questions. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So it's it's a really scary, scary part of life. Um, it's it's unfortunately where a lot of people are right now in their life, um, or will be in their life, or have been in their life. And it got to the point where, you know, I if I went to Melbourne or if I went to the city, um, I had to make sure that I wasn't at a high rise hotel. You know, wow. it got to the point where if I was at a hotel, the first thing I would do is go look at the view and I wouldn't say, what an amazing view. I would say, this would be a great place to do it. And I would say it, you know, internally. I would say it and I would think about it. I remember I was, um, there was one day I was driving home and I was just driving through roundabouts just hoping that someone, someone would just Someone would just T-bone you or something. T-bone me. And it was just with complete ease, complete. Because it was like acceptance. Yeah, I was about in 22, uh, 22 at the, sta- at the time. Our age. Mm. Um, and, yeah, complete acceptance. I was completely okay with it. I I wasn't scared if a car hit me. I wasn't scared about, um, you know, being on a high-rise hotel. I was just completely comfortable and okay with it. And I think 
I, it's almost like you disassociate from like what kind of like your life in yeah. general. And I guess what I wanted to ask you is if someone came to you in this stage, like obviously you're still here, which is, you know, amazing. And a lot of people aren't one of them being my dad. Uh, he went through obviously his struggles with mental health. And I guess if someone came to you, did someone come to you in this stage and like, like, give you help like is Talk there is, yeah it, like is there a point because like I guess I don't want to ask like if someone came to my dad and was like I want to help you like because it came as a shock to me it came as a shock to a lot of people in his life like his and that generally is what happens it's usually the people that are the brightest and the happiest in your life do you feel like that in the crisis point there's you can still be helped it's it really is circumstantial yeah and that's that's a really scary part so I Nobody could have, um, you know, called me at that point and said, hey, don't do this. Um, I don't think that any anyone could have really saved me from when I was in that moment of what I wanted to do. Um, I remember a, a time where I was I was in Melbourne and I was going through a really, really rough time and I, I planned it out. I was going to go to Melbourne. I was going to go out and, and have a big night. I was completely by myself. Um, and... I didn't really figure out how I was going to do it, what I was going to do, but I knew that that was the night. I was completely okay, completely comfortable. I was planning it like you plan a holiday. You know, I was like, I'll do this, yeah. have some dinner, I'll do that, and then that's it. And it was just, it was just a surreal feeling. And I remember that night that, um, you know, when I was going through this crisis stage, whenever I used to go away, mum used to obviously, you know, be the mother that that any mother would be, and call me nonstop and try and find out where I was and. Um, yeah, there so was did she know she sort of the mind, like, yeah, to that extent? Yeah, yeah. She did. Yeah, yeah, so absolutely. was that from you opening up to her? Or? It, was, it was a lot of opening up. It was a lot of um, experience from when my dad went through that as well. Yeah, so yeah she could recognise it. Yeah. Um, and like if I went for a drive and didn't contact her, she'd call the police and say, hey, can you pull, pull my son over and make sure she's okay? Mm. Wow. And, um, so what were those si- – sorry to jump in again. What were those signs that she recognised? I think it was um, a lot of disassociation from from life in general. You know, I'd I'd just I'd wake up one day and and say I'm going to drive to, you know, drive to Sydney or something like that. And she's yeah. like, it's just having like kind of no emotion or feeling yeah, like about yeah. anything, like yeah. whether it's excitement or sadness or anything. I feel like like you said, it's disassociating from kind of everything. Like you feel numb almost. Absolutely. Like you don't really care either way what happens in any situation. Yeah. Is yeah. is everyone like that though? Is that a telltale sign that kind of everyone It's it's very, very different. It's very circumstantial. Um, you know, we I've lost people in my life to suicide that have been uh, you know, extremely happy, extremely flamboyant, and then the next day they're not here. Um, yep. I've lost yep. people that have been really, really, you know, visually depressed. You, you, you know yeah. that they're going through stuff and then we lose them to suicide. So it really is circumstantial. Different it's everyone. different for everybody. Um, I was I was a pretty good actor um, and, you know, when I went and saw my mum, I would act like I'm fine. I would act like I'm okay because I didn't want her to worry. I didn't want her to be, you know, sad or, or upset or anything like that. But there was all the, obviously these times and this time, this one time in Melbourne, my, you know, I obviously, I didn't, I didn't essentially run away, but I just told mum, I said, I'm going to go away. And she knew that this was, this was it. And I remember my, my older brother uh, called me and he said, he, he somehow found out what hotel I was at. 
and he said, I'm downstairs in the lobby. Um, I'm not going to come up. I'm going to stay here. Uh, if you, if you want to come down and talk, come down and talk. Otherwise, you know, I'm just going to stay, stay here all night. And I didn't leave the hotel room and he didn't leave the lobby. He was there for about 12 hours. He just sat wow. in the lobby. Um, and back then, I just thought, what an idiot. What's he doing down there? Like, <laughs> yeah. What, you know, what could he, be, he possibly be doing down there? And in hindsight, I'm like, okay, well, he's, he's saving my life because he knows mm-hmm. that if I left that hotel, I probably wouldn't come back. Wouldn't come yeah. um, and, you know, I still, I'm still so grateful for him that night because at the night I, I had no idea what he was doing. But now I know because, because I knew he was down there, I, I thought if I go down there and walk into him, I'm not going to do it. You know, so yeah, I because I went, I went to because bed, being so. confronted with it, with what you're doing from someone else, would be like, and just seeing his face would be would be hard in that yeah, moment. Yeah, absolutely, and that was such a big moment for me, um, to not at the time, but back back in hindsight. Um, but this this crisis mode that went on for about two years, and there was there was multiple times where, you know, I I didn't want to be here. There was multiple times where I attempted, um, and probably the biggest moment for me and the biggest turning point for me was one Sunday evening I used to go for I used to get in my car and just go for drives by myself I would just put music on go for a drive it was my bit of an outlet Um, I was going through some really really tough tough times at um, at this moment I'd just gone through a relationship breakup Um, I was feeling very uh, obviously down on myself about everything that happened with my career with with my drug habits all that sort of stuff so I went for a drive I remember being out at a um, like a, a reserve, sort of like a bush reserve out near Ballarat, and I was sitting there. I was in tears, just crying. You know, it was something that I did very often, just sit out in the bush and cry by myself. And I remember looking up, and about fifty meters in front of me, I saw this massive tree. And um, just like at the hotel, I looked at the tree, and I, the first thing I thought was, "This would be a great place to do it." would be easy all it needs to do is put the foot on the accelerator go straight ahead done that's it and um so that's essentially what i did i i closed my eyes i, I straightened my car up and put the foot on the accelerator and i got to about you know 50 60 k's an hour pretty quick and what felt like you know five minutes was about you know six or seven seconds and all of a sudden i, I felt this massive crash massive smash um, the first instinct, you know, when you've got your hands on the steering wheel and you feel something going on is you put the, the foot on the brake and I slammed the foot on the brake. The whole car just, just shook around like crazy and I felt like it flipped. Wow. And um, I, I opened my eyes and I was in absolute hysterics. This, you know, this, this sense of calm came over me but also I was so confused with what, what was going on and I looked up and all I could see was trees, shrubberies, bushes, um, and I just thought, you know, what the fuck has happened? Where am I? Um, am I? Am I dead? Did this just happen? And did What's you realise what you had just kind of done? Or did I, you I just... Knew, I knew what I wanted to do and I knew that this is what, you know, this is how I, was, I needed to do it. Yeah. And I didn't expect... I didn't expect to open my eyes and see trees and shrubbery. And that's what I feel like a lot of people who, I mean, do attempt suicide, they don't think about the what about if it isn't successful yeah. and the aftermath of that and how to deal with that, I guess. But, like, so grateful that obviously it wasn't successful. Yeah. But, like, I couldn't even imagine, like, you've accepted that that's what 
what's going to happen and then waking up and being like, okay, well, yeah, what now? I think at the, at the time I was really angry. I just thought, you know, I can't even do this right. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was so frustrated and I remember getting out of the getting out of the car and I had to step over logs and bushes and I just kept saying, what the fuck happened? You know, how, how did I not get this right? And then I walked around the back of the car and um, this was my really big moment. I, I saw about two metres in front of the tree a massive oil ditch from a four-wheel drive. So there'd been a four-wheel drive there maybe a day earlier, two days earlier, a week earlier, maybe even 20 minutes earlier. And it created this oil ditch which my my uh, tyre, left front tyre hit and knocked me out of the way of the tree. I mean, it's the wow. stuff that you see on wow. movies. It's the shit that, like, if you tried to do that again today, it just wouldn't happen. And you know what? That's just the universe. And I, I hate to be this person, but <laughs> the universe telling you that it is not your time and that it yeah. is not, like, you're not supposed to yeah, be doing and, that, and I guess. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought at the time. I just thought, what, you know, what does this mean? Um, is this Does this mean I have to, you know... I thought about it. I thought, do I try it again? Do I say, all right, that's where it is. Let's line it back up differently. But at the time, I was just like, this has to mean something. This has yeah. got to be some sort of message that uh, I'm not meant to be here today doing this and there's something that's that's going to have to change my life. I've, and I full wholeheartedly believe that that's yeah. exactly what it was. Yeah, and I think as soon as I left there, you know, I was in, I was in hysterics still, but I drove straight to the hospital, admitted myself, um, and I was in a psychiatric part of the hospital um, on and off for the next month or so. Um, and that was a really – it was a scary experience, but it was it was an amazing experience as well. And do you feel like that was your – after that, was, that it went yeah. uphill from there? Probably probably not uphill. It was a really tough, tough trek. Yeah. Um, it was a really tough time to pretty much restart my life and – um, start talking about mental health and start igniting this conversation with just me and, and my parents. You know, they were, every single day they were worried about me. It's so confronting. And I think it's one thing to, like, be okay with, like, doing th- this to yourself. But when you're confronted with how it affects, like, your family and your friends and people that you care about, I think it is so much harder. And did you find that, like, confronting your mum and your dad or your, your brothers... Um, yeah. That that was like kind of the hardest part of it. One of the one of the biggest moments um, and the hardest moments for me was my, my dad and I have a our relationship is probably based on mental health and that sounds really weird but I think we really understand each other and we don't have the father son relationship where we go and kick the footy or go to the yeah. footy or, or anything like that have beers together. It's, it's not that kind of relationship. It's a kind of relationship where. You know, I know when he's struggling and I know that all he needs at that time is just to me to sit there with him. And, and that's so same. rare yeah. and honestly so beautiful. And yeah. I feel like in a way you would have saved his life at a few points that you probably don't even know about. And I think, you know, me being a father now, it's um, it would be so scary for him to, to see me go through it too. And I remember one day I was sitting in, this is before this instance, I was sitting in the, uh, in the lounge room and I was just... I was rock bottom. I was sitting there and I was just staring into space. And um, I remember dad was in the kitchen and he just looked at me and he said, Shorty, are you okay, mate? And I looked up at him and he just looked like a broken man. He was like, is this my fault? You know, is this... That's what I was going to um, say. Did he blame himself? Did, did I, you know, did I put this on my son? Am I the one that, you know, has, has let him down in some way? My parents divorced when we were very young. 
So he was sort of asking himself all those questions mm. and, um, you know, that was a, a big moment for him. I can still see his face when he asked me that question and it just really, really made me think, this is my connection to my dad. This is my connection that I can have with him and, and still to this day, you know, if I'm having a really bad time, he'll just send me a random message out of the blue and we'll talk about the footy or we'll talk about yeah. something. It just makes me feel a lot better. And Just um, that he's there and you guys are there around each other, yeah. I feel like it's just... Yeah. We, we don't talk about, you know, we don't each other and, and talk about our weekends or anything like that we talk about we talk about our feelings you know, yeah. it's, it's and really that is just like and something obviously you're trying to normalize and I Absolutely. feel like it's incredible I I you know I wish I kind of had that relationship with my dad or you know someone did and I, I I'm just yeah this wow. is this is why you want to do this episode yeah so I do I kind of wanted to touch on this episode um I think it's so important at the moment with everything that's been going on I kind of in the media we had um that football coach Paul Green who took his own life um but it was my dad's anniversary a couple of weeks ago of his death it was eight years he he took his own life in 2014. I don't think I've said that on the podcast before. I've talked about him passing away, but my dad actually did take his own life and it's something that I've kind of been a very passionate about for a while, men's mental health. Um, and, yeah, I having you on has just been – I just – we kind of want to talk about it and give actual help, advice, advice to – just coming from like obviously this is a women's a women's podcast I'm sure there's some boys that listen and I'm sure we will have a bigger male audience listen to this podcast once we put it out um but we really want to kind of ask you a few questions about like how we can help the men in our life yeah as our listeners are predominantly women how can women kind of empathize and make men feel more comfortable to share their feelings from your mum's point of view I feel like she did an amazing job with you and like kind of speaking to you about or letting you know that you're there you said she's a beautiful woman and she really recognized the signs and stuff but for someone I feel like she may have got that from your dad like from what he went through for someone that hasn't dealt with someone that has mental health struggles before what are kind of the signs to look out for and how do you kind of go about it maybe in the early stages even yeah, yeah, it's a really good question and that's it's a really broad broad answer but essentially th- the biggest thing about mental health is um, making sure we're validating people's feelings yeah. and that's a really big thing that we talk about a lot with the Shaka Project is when, when we're going through these really poor stages of, of mental health, we think we're crazy, we think we've lost our mind, we think that nobody else is going through this and then we go into denial, then we go into self-pity, you know, why am I complaining when this person has it worse and, you know, that person has it worse and, and, and you know, poor me, poor me, um, without sort of thinking about, no, my feelings are valid, my yeah. emotions are valid, my mental health is valid. And I think the biggest thing that we can do for other people that might be experiencing poor mental health is validate those feelings, validate yeah. those emotions. You know, we talk to footy clubs and we talk to um, job sites that are full of full of men and we say the, the worst thing you can say to, to a mate that's going through it is it'll be right. Yeah, yeah. you'll be or right. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Hey, this person's got it worse. Worst thing you can say because it doesn't matter what is going on, your feelings matter, your emotions matter, your mental health matters and validating somebody's feelings and, you know, going up to someone and saying, hey, are you okay? And them turning around and saying, look, I'm not, I'm really struggling. 
uh, I'm, you know, I've had a relationship breakdown or my job isn't, isn't going the way I want it to be. And turning around saying, hey, I can really understand that. I can understand why that would be stressing. I can understand why that is affecting your mental health. What can we do about it? That is so, so powerful. You see, it's interesting because I feel like a lot of us, to try and be positive and and glass half full, we say, like, you know, it's not that bad, um, but it's such a common thing to do. So it's very interesting that you say that, and I think it's really, really important. I feel like some people think it is almost helpful being like, you know, well, it could be worse. Like, it could, you could this, you could that, Um, which isn't what they're actually doing. So I think that's an amazing point. And also one thing I wanted to touch on is I feel like men would struggle more than women in the sense that sometimes if you are depressed or you are anxious or you're having mental health struggles, it may not be for a certain reason. Like there may not be anything particular going wrong in your life that that you could pinpoint and be like, this is why I'm feeling like this. And I feel like men in particular would really struggle with just feeling down and not knowing kind of why and I feel like validating that would be really beneficial like saying like seeing if you're like partners oh you seem a bit down is everything okay like you know I feel like yeah there may not always be a reason as to why they're feeling down and I think validating that is just so important because they could just be so confused yeah absolutely and, and sometimes we we just have bad days yeah you know, sometimes mm. we have a day where you know we don't want to get up and go go for a run or, or go to work or um or go out to a social event and there doesn't have to be a reason mm. it doesn't have to be some sort of um moment in your life that's happened that has brought on that reason at all you know there's some days where i'm amazing there's some days where i'm really really bad um every single day is a bit different and i'm that, the that's, exact same that's mental health yeah you know? and the, the biggest thing we can do is uh, it comes under so many factors we we talk to a lot of corporate um corporate places where we we talk to the ceos and we talk to the admin staff and all that sort of stuff and all these ceos are just like oh well they've got one mental health day off a month and yeah know, it's like i'll just so schedule my bad day exactly in there right. yeah <laughs> spot on so and we talk to these companies and say if you have a you know one big sign of poor mental health is being late to an appointment or being late to work or being late to footy training or to soccer training whatever it might be because um you know you just don't want to be there you and not because yeah, you really. don't like your work not because you don't like um you know going to training but you might be anxious you might have a really bad day and not want to see people yeah um so many so many other reasons but we we were at a job site a few months ago and we were talking to the ceo about this and we said um who are the top three blokes that are always late to late to a job site and this bloke was like oh this guy this guy this guy and i said he said oh we've given him heaps of written warnings i said have you checked in with them have you have you actually asked what's going on at home are you okay? Are you getting to the work site and being bullied by someone else? Are you anxious about the work site because of safety? Are you, you know, what's going on? And uh, it wasn't the CEO, but it was it was a, the HR manager who who spoke up and said, "Oh, actually, this guy's just gone through a marriage breakup. Um, this guy's only young. He's an apprentice, and he's you know a, a skinny bloke who's surrounded by big dudes, anxious. Um, and then this guy, you know, he's pretty." bit of a, um, a quieter guy and, and has only just sort of um, jumped onto this site. So straight away we were able, able to identify that these three people that are late the most aren't just lazy. Right, but they actually don't. may be experiencing something. Wow. So really, you know, dissecting the the population and dissecting people 
to the point where we can say, all right, this may be something more than just being lazy and being, being lazy, late. Yeah. It could be something's going on. And that goes for everything. That yeah. goes for, um, you know, people having, you know, extra, extra beers on the weekend or, or partying a little bit too much or, um, you know, someone rocking up with bright pink hair when they had brown hair the day before. <laughs> yeah. You know, they say, oh, it's a Britney moment, but yeah. also, um, <laughs> you know, really it could be something's going on. <laughs> yeah. Um, I remember the first lockdown in uh, in Victoria, COVID lockdown, I shaved my head like I just thought, fuck it, I'm going to have a Britney moment and <laughs> shave my head. Um, I feel like a lot of people did that. Yeah, yeah, yeah it, was, it was great. And um, and it was, it was purely because I just, you know, I was going through some poor mental health days or, or months and i just thought i just need to to do something crazy and you and need to um, do something to feel something even feel or something. just feel something yeah. out of the ordinary because sometimes you can feel like you're just like kind of in a a cycle of doing the same thing every day and the same thing and it's autonomous and you don't really feel anything new so doing those things like having that extra beer on the weekend going on a bender or dyeing your hair pink or shaving your hair or doing something out of the ordinary actually makes you trying to try and kind of feel something and I think that is a a good telltale sign I wanted to touch on quickly which I think is a huge thing um just it always has been and I think that's why mental health in men is just so hard to talk about toxic masculinity so glad (laughs) what it is do you want to tell everyone for people who don't know what it is what it is yeah so toxic masculinity essentially it is something that men have been taught over time as the right thing or the right, the right way to act, yep. the right way to communicate, um, and the right way to perceive people, genders, um, orientations, whatever it might be. And it is such a broad aspect again, but it is something that is quite literally killing men. Literally. Um, and, and, you know, all genders as well. It's, it's something that's really scary. We talk about this a lot in our events, especially with um, footy clubs. That's what I was going to say, um, yeah. A bit of a story about... I was at a footy club and I talk about this in my events. I was at a, at a footy club in Victoria um, and I remember sitting there setting up for this event and about five minutes in front of me was a, a group of boys, probably about 15, 16, um, pretty young boys and they were having dinner and the senior footy players, they were out, out on the field and they were going to finish training, come in and do this event. And I overheard this conversation with these boys and they were one boy said to the other, he said, hey, your sister's really hot. And then the other boy popped up and he said, no, she's not. She's ugly and she's fat. And then another boy popped up and said, well, you're gay. And they had a laugh and carried on and, and whatever. And they got up, they left, and all the, all the footy players came in. I started the event. And I actually have a full slide on my events that is called Toxic Masculinity. And when I got up to this slide, I told that story. And I, firstly, I said, can all the senior footy players stand up? So all the senior footy players stand up. I said, can I get all the captains and all the coaches to come out the front? So they come out the front and they're, you know, typical footy players standing there, arms crossed, <laughs> chest out. And um, I told them that conversation that I heard. And I said, that conversation is your fault. It's 100% your fault. The way that those boys talked about females, talked about um, homosexuality like it's some bad thing, like it's some insult, that is 100% your fault because you have built a, an environment based around to- toxic masculinity. Wow. That you think it's okay to talk about women in a derogatory way, think it's okay to talk about homosexuality in a derogatory way, 
um, and just talk about people in general, general. in, a, in yeah. a bad way. And, and they were very, the very shocked. Yeah, they would have been taken back. Um, they are like, hey, we're, we're paying you for this event, now you're insulting yeah. us. Um, but I said, like, this this leads to mental health. This leads to poor mental health. And we always talk about it at the start of events, um, you know, if we look at the, the statistics of men's suicide in That's Australia. That's what we were going to ask you as um, well. And we, we talk about that a lot and we talk about the numbers and we base it on AFL every single week, two AFL teams. That's how many men we lose to suicide. So 44 men. That's crazy. Um, I've seen this and I'm sure a lot of people have seen this page on your Instagram, the Shaka yeah. Project, about the AFL. And I think it resonates. It's a great way to um, get it in people's minds, especially boys that play footy and love footy and all of that. It's like, wow, my whole team and the whole team I'm exactly versing right. is gone. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's exactly why we do it. We, we say, think back to the game on the weekends. You're, you're lining up. The umpire's about to throw the ball up and you look around, you see all the players. That's how many men every single week. And it does, it makes them sort of sit back and think, holy shit, that's a lot of people. It relates it to their life. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And um, so when, I, when I'm talking about toxic masculinity, I say a massive majority of those men are gay, bi, trans um, or not even out. And that LBGTQI plus community has one of the highest rates of suicides in Australia. Yeah. And... Um, the fact that men still think it's okay to call their mate, you know, a faggot because yeah. he's not having another beer. Yeah, as a derogatory yeah, term. Or anything like that is just unbelievable. Yeah. So. It just comes out way too casually oh nowadays yeah, absolutely. still. Yeah. I feel yeah, like it's sure. gotten a lot better, but it's just, yeah, like you said, it's just, it's not how you describe someone in a negative way. Yeah, like, yeah, and, and I think, like you said um, about the footy team and the, and having, I don't know any footy players, whatever code, that have come out as gay, bi or whatever, purely because I feel like toxic masculinity. Like I'm sure there are plenty that are or are questioning it or, you know, kind of aren't sure. But because they're in such a masculine culture and such a she'll be right and like you can't – where gay is kind of thrown around as like a derogatory term, they're too scared to – kind yeah, of so come there out was, there was something released it was a few years ago I'm not, I'm not too sure who released it but they did a um a statistical figure on the afl and based on statistics when it comes to men and homosexuality there's about 18 in the closet afl players right now based on statistics. right it, yeah um wow. and you know obviously there's there's none that have come out mm-hmm. um there's there's a lot in vf uh, there's there's a few in the vfl um, and a lot of the state leagues and stuff like that that have bravely came out. But, again, it, it all comes back to that toxic masculinity of uh, to be able to play footy, you've got to be a... A manly a, man. A heterosexual male that, yeah. that you know, loves to go to the gym, loves to drink beer, yeah. um, and, uh, you know, loves that sort of lifestyle as well. So it's... Um, to- toxic masculinity is such a broad broad sort of um, aspect that we, we try and talk about a whole lot, and it goes from... Goes from that, goes to, you know, banter with your mates that isn't banter. You know, yeah. giving your mate shit because he's not having another beer. Um, I don't drink alcohol anymore. I, I, um, I haven't drank alcohol for about six months now and I've got mates that love a beer yeah. and I can go out with them and, and not drink and they can have a beer. And, and they're respectful of you. They're completely you. respectful. Yeah. Um, I don't drink because of my mental health and, 
you know, I think if I did that three years ago before I started the Shaka project, they'd call me all the names. That's what I was going to say. I feel like if a boy went to his group, like, I'm not having a beer tonight, I'm feeling a bit down. Yep. They'd be like, toughen up, mate, have a beer. Exactly right. And that, that is essentially, that's toxic masculinity. Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing we talk about is Sunday is the number one day for people to take their lives. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, and we, we dissect that and we look back at why men take their life on Sunday more than any other day. They have a really bad week. Friday night, they think, all right, I'm going to have a bender. Friday night, I'm going to go out, get on the beers, get on whatever else. Um, Saturday, do it again. And all their mates are encouraging it. Mm. Hey, mate, you've had a rough week, so let's go get blind drunk. That's Sunday, the coping mechanism. That's the coping mechanism. Sunday, they wake up. They're either hungover, they're coming down off something. Um, they're already you know, going through depression or anxiety mm. or, or whatever it might be. And it's such it's a bad cocktail of yeah, by everything emotions. else, and you know we won't, we unfortunately lose them. So, toxic masculinity is is so much more than just um, calling your mate gay or, or derogatory towards women or any gender. It is encouraging drinking. It's encouraging um, this conversation about you know derogatory towards genders, um, towards sexuality, all that sort of stuff. Encouraging calling your mate a pussy for not. Yeah. Wanting to get on the beers, um, it is. It's essentially putting your mate down for trying to look after their mental health. Um. And there's so many pages out there these days. Actually, on the way here, I was I was scrolling through Facebook, and there's this page. I won't say who they are, but they have a they have a, a podcast, and it's it's all based around bloke stuff. Mm. Yeah, I and could think of a few podcasts like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah, and I haven't listened to it. I, I had a few mates reach out to me and say, "Hey, I think you need to contact these guys." But it is just so damaging the stuff that they put up because it's it's just all derogatory. It's all sex based. It's all drug based. It's all put a multi on based. Yeah. So it, it's all stuff that get people in trouble. It's all stuff that really deteriorates men's mental health, mm. um, and that's how we're losing people. So there is there is so much of it. I talk about this a lot um, when I do events. I've got a mate of mine. He got married a few months ago, and. Once they did all the I do's and all that sort of stuff, I went up to him and gave him a massive kiss on the lips. And <laughs> I, I love that. Just a little bit of tongue slipped in. But <laughs> and I, I, I talk about this and I talk about this in front of a, um, a massive trade hall in Perth and there was about 150 tradies. And when I said it, there was about 140 of them went, Ugh. Yeah. And I'm like, you know why I did it, boys? I said I did it because I genuinely love the bloke. Yeah. I did it because, you know, if I woke up tomorrow and he wasn't here, I don't know how I'd deal with it. You know, he's got me through so many things mentally. Um, you know, my kids love him. I love his kids. We ha- we have you know some sort of really really good dynamic there. Um, and I love the bloke. I didn't do it because I'm gay. I'm not no, gay. Exactly. I'm a straight male, but it doesn't mean that I can't hug and you, kiss my mates. And you got to love your mates. And I feel like right. a lot of yeah, I actually have a few friends that are very like that. Like, well, I've kissed their friends and all that kind of stuff, just to kind of. And I love that. I yep. think that's – and I think as a girl, if there are boys listening, I'm going to say it right now, I think there's nothing more attractive than a boy that is uh, like um, not emotional but in touch with his feelings, can speak about his feelings and it isn't ashamed by that, can vulnerable. be vulnerable. Yep. Such an attractive quality in a male. Yep. And agree. something that is so unattractive is that toxic masculinity that won't talk about it very tough, speaks like badly of his friends if, you know, they're not – I also getting think on it. 
not being able to be vulnerable and emotional affects relationships. 100%. You never know what's going on. I think it's a really important quality um, in relationships. But a question I was going to ask you, we've spoken about how a big coping mechanism is going and having beers. What are some positive coping mechanisms that men can do? Yeah. So positive mental health practices is something that we encourage a lot and they're really unique to everyone. So, you know, my, my positive mental health practice is going for a run, going to the gym. Yeah, as uh, a massive physical, physical and mental yeah. well-being we talk about a lot, go hand yeah. in hand. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, that's people's – a lot of people's go-to is going to the gym, which is great. Um, but some people's go-to is sitting at home playing Xbox for three hours mm-hmm. or – um, watching the footy or, you know, knit, knitting or, you know, <laughs> playing <laughs> with Lego or something like that. So everybody's positive mental health practice is really, really different. And um, I talk about this a lot when I do events because when when my daughter was born, I had this really big motivation. I thought I'm going to make my daughter's life the most amazing life ever. I'm going to earn a shitload of money. I'm going to build her a big house. I'm going to make sure she has a nice car, make sure she's looked after and to do that, I had to work all the time. So I was working and I was getting up at 4am, going to work, not getting home till 9, 10 o'clock. Mm. And I also promised that I would take her to daycare every single day. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. That would, Like your long-term goal to have this amazing life would have affected your relationship exactly with right. her right there. Yeah, absolutely. And I remember I, I did that for a long time. I still, I still made time to day, take her to daycare and see her whenever I could. And I remember I got home one day and I... I looked at her and she said, Daddy, why are you always so grumpy? And it fucking broke my heart. Oh, like, and see, and there's nothing, because kids are so... The innocent honesty. Yeah, the yeah, innocent oh, honesty. They are so honest, yeah. Um, and I realised, when she said that, I realised I was so grumpy, I was so miserable because all I was doing was working and I wasn't doing my positive mental health practices. I wasn't going to the gym. Um, I wasn't seeing my kids as much as I, I'd want to. So my positive mental health practices were completely gone. Parent life is tough though. It is tough, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so I had to really, you know, promise myself that I had to do these positive mental health practices and these mental health practices are not always for you. They're not always mm. for you to do to make yourself feel better. They're for the people around you. Yeah. You know, I had to go to the gym every single day and work out, not for me, but my little girl because she got the very best version of me um and at the end of the day she doesn't give a shit how much money i make no all she cares about is that i can go home and she can paint my nails and (laughs) you know play barbies and all that sort of stuff too so it's um it was a really big wake-up call for me to make sure that every single day i was doing my positive mental health practice and we encourage everyone to do that you know if you like fishing go fishing once a week if you like to um you know, go for a run, go for a run as many times as you can to get that positive mental health practice. And remember that it's it's not always for you, it's for the people around you yeah. as well. We talk about this a lot yeah, in our podcast. Say, um, say if you have a job that you may not necessarily love or you need to have non-negotiables in your week that are for you or for, like you said, for the people around you, for your mental health to, you know, make sure that you are keeping on top of it and you're not living for the weekends and that's where you fall into that kind of like partying and doing stuff on the weekends that aren't serving your mental health but 
we talk about this a lot and, and having balance. Every, it's different for everyone. One, yeah. 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 And you just find what works for you and make it like schedule it in like it's like it's like you're going to work. Like that's I'm doing that yep. in the morning and that's what's happening because as much as I need money, I also need to be happy. Be happy, yeah. And ma- make sure it's for you as well. You know, we have my, my mental health, um, positive mental health practice is going to the gym. My yep. best mate. Hasn't been to the gym for about five years. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> exactly, um, you know, he's a he he loves a beer, full time smoker, um, one of the, the 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 greatest people on this earth. But he just doesn't see the gym for him. Yeah. So his positive mental health practice is, um, you know, he's got a bit of a acreage now out near his place. So he goes out there and goes in the shed and builds stuff and and all and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And that's his. I thing. know a lot of boys that love doing that stuff. Yeah. 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 So making sure that you know if. If your mate says, hey, we'll just, you know, you're going through a rough time, let's go to the gym. Mm. If the gym's not for you, don't go to the gym. <laughs> yeah. you know? if, your, if, your thing, if your thing that makes you happy is playing Xbox for two hours, go do that. Yeah. Um, if your best mate loves going for a run and you think, I couldn't think of anything worse, don't go for a run with your best mate. You That's know, like Charlie this morning. She's like, went for a run this morning. Uh, I was like, cool. I was having <laughs> you know what's funny though? Now that I'm a mum, my positive mental health practice is actually cleaning the house in peace <laughs> like just having no one here and yeah. cleaning yeah. so it really is different for everyone absolutely it's, it's completely unique to people and if it's cleaning if it's um you know going to the footy if it's spending time with friends whatever it is uh make sure you you really make time for that every single week mm. yeah um another question that i wanted to ask you is how can a a woman asking are you okay to a male be different as opposed to a, a mate asking a mate. Do you think it has a greater impact well, coming yeah. from a, yeah. a female? I think it generally it really, really does have a really big impact. I was I was talking to one of our ambassadors about this at an event last night. He um he's a really big bloke. He's got tattoos everywhere. He's about 120 kilos, full of muscle, and um, he said he didn't talk for two years about his mental health, and then um, his partner at the time came to him and said, hey, I can see you're struggling, what's going on? And he just kept denying it. No, I'm good, I'm good, you know, I'm big, tough, burly, whatever. And then he finally opened up and um, it's really funny, he was saying that he's got every single piece of merchandise from the Shaka Project. <laughs> he's I got everything. That. He said, as soon as you bring out something else, I'm the first person to buy it. His mental um, health practices, yeah, purchasing. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. Um, but, like, he said that it was the best thing he ever did was to talk to his partner about it. And at the end of the day, and for every bloke that listens to this, you'll like quietly agree with me. Every bloke is a big teddy bear. Oh, like, all, we want, 100%. all we want is to be cuddled yeah. and to be <laughs> told it's going to be okay. And yeah. most of the time we want that from our partner. Yeah. Mm. Um, and, you know, we, we, we try and act tough and burly and all that sort of stuff. But I think my, my best relationships that I've had um, talking about mental health have been with the women in my life. Yeah. Um, and it's more because I think women do have that more side of empathy. Nurturing um, side. Understanding, nurturing, side, yeah. nurturing. Um, Don't get me wrong, there are women that will just say, toughen up. Yeah, and that, that. yeah, and that, th- and, you know, girls can feed into toxic masculinity Absolutely, too. It's not yeah. just boys. And there's also males out there who do have a very nurturing, empathetic side yep. and, yeah. and can be that as well. For but sure, I think yeah. it's important, like you just said, um, with your friend, um, that his partner asked him quite a few times and he kind of brushed it off like, it's fine, it's fine. 
like I'm fine, whatever. I think it does take quite a few times sometimes to kind of get through to someone. I know I've had previous partners or um, friends or whoever that I know something's kind of, they're not themselves and I've asked them and they kind of brush it off like, you know, it's fine. Like, um, no, everything's fine. Or they kind of run away from it. Like they're very avoidant of it. But once you kind of push through that thing, they're actually really happy to speak about it and that it it's so beneficial beneficial but I think yeah sticking to it a little bit if you know something's not right not just accepting no I'm fine for the first answer I think a really important thing to do as well is concrete yourself as somebody with empathy um, and concrete yourself in with someone that really really does care about not even just men's mental health but mental health in general Um, and we see a lot of people you know they'll, they'll share status about mental health and they'll be like oh it's okay not be okay and then they'll, you know, get on someone's, you know, a celebrity's page and roast oh. them or, or do something yeah. like that. And you think, fuck, you know, you, you're not really concreting yourself in as a mental health ambassador. But if you if you can concrete yourself in as someone that really does care, it can it can have a lead on effect and it can have something that may not have results straight away, but in three months, in six months, in twelve months' time, it'll have have a result and have an effect. And what I mean by that is you know, if you can, we, we say this to our ambassadors all the time, if you share a mental health awareness post to your Instagram today and it targets 100 people, you might get 99 people that look at that and, and just swipe up. You might get one person to say, hey, this is someone that I can talk to. Mm. In five months, when somebody that saw that post is going through something, they might think back to, I remember that time that that person shared something about the Shaka mm. Project or about mental health or about whatever, that's somebody I can talk to. Wow. So being someone, if you're in a relationship or just a friend or a family member, where you go to them and say, hey, you know, if, if something's ever going on with you, you can talk to me. Mm. It might not be right there and then, but it could be in two weeks, in six mm. weeks, in two years where they think, fuck, I need someone. I remember two years ago when, mm. um, you know, Sean told me that he'd, he'd be there for me, so I might send a message. I think that's a great a great point because I feel I feel like I try and do that a lot I feel like I try and let people know that you can come to me if you are going through something but I think the stuff that you post also is so important because I see a lot of people sharing your posts that you post and I clock that and I'm like you know they're kind of like a an advocate for mental health like you kind of even subconsciously you kind of think that and I think that's a great point that you made that it may not be now but it may be in the future Yeah. yeah it's super important I had a guy reach out to me um about six months ago, and he was a guy, he's from Ballarat, and we knew each other from when I was 17, 18, when we were knocking around with each other. Didn't really like each other, we were sort of in different crowds, and back then we were all fighting and all that sort of stuff, we were teenagers. And he reached out to me about six months ago, and he said, hey mate, I know we haven't chatted in about eight years, and we've never <laughs> really liked each other, but can we catch up and have a chat? But I need you. <laughs> yeah, um, because you're the only bloke I know which like is, comfortable. is crazy because if you think about it from a girl's perspective I could I know I can go to Charlie my best friend and I could go to every single one of my other friends if I was having a bad day but the fact that some boys and no offense to you Sean but he's reached out to someone that he knew that he didn't necessarily get along with <laughs> like years ago and that's the he's only person, person that, he, that he can think he can talk to yep. is quite sad yeah well it is yeah absolutely and I think it's just because I've like every single day I push um, mental health and I push 
you know, talking up and talking to your mates and checking mm. in and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, again, I, I don't do it to get people to message me and say, hey, I'm struggling. I mm. do it because if there is one person struggling that sees a message, you know, we, we do three or four posts on our Instagram every single day and it's so important to do because... Yeah, I'm having a really good day today, but someone out there may not be. And a lot so, of people will yeah, not be. Exactly mm-hmm. right. So we'll go put a post up, not for me, not for anyone else, mm-hmm. but just so that somebody out there that may be having a bad day can see it and it might just say you matter or it might just say that, you know, be fucking kind or something like that, one of our favourites. Yeah, and, um, <laughs> I love that. You know, if, we, if we put out that out there, it's not for us, it's not for, um, you know, a certain pet person, but it might really strike someone in that moment and that's essentially what we want to do i can honestly say like obviously not from experience but i could tell you you've probably saved that many people's lives just from Mm. the post like men's lives we get some amazing messages um from people that just they 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 sort of say hey you've really helped me get through some tough times and wow you really inspired me to keep going and and stuff like that and you know people always ask me when when they when we talk about the company um you know, oh, you've done great things, you know, you've got merchandise all over Australia. But I don't really give a shit about that. It's more yeah. about the people that we don't see, the people yeah. that we don't interact with that um, on, on a one-to-one you know, level, um, people that are just normal people that are out there that love our brand, yeah. love the message and live it every single day. This woman, oh, I met a woman last night that came to our event, never met her in my life and she came up and she was in tears and she gave me a massive cuddle and said, thank you for everything you do. And wow. I'm like... I don't even know you. Like this yeah. is this is crazy. And is it just like so fulfilling? Like mm. what you do? It's like incredible. You, yeah. Like yeah. I'm just in awe of what everything you've done from from your experience that you've had. And I just think it's crazy how much you've turned it around and changed obviously so many people's mm. lives. And yeah. I hope that this helps. This helps. actually does exactly what we've been talking about. Um, do this you have has a been a really. Um, educational episode there's a lot that I've found out um I think as I said with our listeners being predominantly female I think that the main thing that you're kind of saying is to open up a conversation with the men in their lives creating a safe space yeah, yeah create a safe space um do you have any other bits of advice or strategies um as women what we can do I think it's it's a really big conversation when it comes to male female um, interactions when it comes to mental health as well. It's it's a really big sector. We we have a lot of people that come to us and say, "Hey, we've got we've had a relationship breakdown, um, and you know my partner is being really really cruel to me, and you know it's it's a female being cruel or it's a male being cruel, whatever it might be." Um, and when that sort of happens, mental health is always put on the back burner. It's always mm. yeah, but he did this or she did this or yeah, or you know, obviously breakups can be can be pretty um, pretty rough on on both parties, and I think it's really important at the end of the day um, to just be kind, yeah, to just Literally. be as kind as be possible. Be fucking kind. Is be that what? Kind. Yeah, but yeah. you can swear. Let's. Um, yeah, <laughs> Charlie I've doesn't. Got a, um, a tattoo on my on my um, ear that I got a few weeks ago with our be kind logo, um, just so I can walk around town yeah. and, and just do as much. I love that. As possible. <laughs> um, but it, it really does come down to that. And essentially that, that covers everything. That covers all aspects of men's mental health and, and all yeah. genders' mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, it's such an important thing to do. And kindness kindness is um, – it, it's really 
confusing sometimes. A lot of people perceive kindness as, you know, buying groceries for someone, filming it and putting it on, on TikTok. <laughs> that's, that's not kindness. No, it's, n- it's, it's being... Being kind without expecting anything in return. Exactly right. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, on on the way here in the in the Uber, um, the guy I got in the car, and one thing I hate seeing is, and I see it so much because I travel a lot. Is you know, there's people in the suits and they've got their AirPods and they get into a taxi and they say go there and they're working and doing this. Yeah. Talk to the fucking driver. Yeah, it's you not going to ask him how the day is. And yeah. I asked this guy how his day was, and he was like surprised. Yeah. And we had a chat the whole way here and, and he told me... God, he would have got the best person to get in his Uber <laughs> if he was <laughs> having a bad day. I hope, <laughs> to, yeah, I hope he wanted a chat because I, I know all about him now. You know, he, he was from Bangladesh and he's, his family moved over here. And, and it's just such an easy thing to do. But, um, you know, if anything, you know, he, he should be having a conversation because he wants a five-star rating. But I'm yeah. like, no, let's chat. Like, yeah. let's, and you, let's have, you probably would have made his day. And, and I think that is a great thing just... Talking to end more. on, be be kind, and whether that be to the person that you're getting your coffee off or whatever, you n- you have no idea how much your kindness will impact someone in Absolutely. a day, yep. and I think that is just a great way to to end the message. Yeah. I just want you to give one more piece of advice. If there's any boys listening to this, which I hope there are, any boys that may struggle with toxic masculinity in their group, whatever, what kind of what what could you give them a piece of advice or something uh, something you just want to say away. to them a takeaway take from this if they're yeah. going to take away anything uh probably the biggest takeaway is to it's okay to be yourself it's yep. okay to be that big cuddly bear that we all want to be <laughs> yeah. um and it's okay to be vulnerable uh it's okay to be really shit it's okay to have a shit day yeah um and uh, for no reason for no reason whatsoever and the bravest bloke in the friend group is the one that stands up and says, uh, I'm not okay. Mm. It's the one that stands up and says, hey, boys, we shouldn't be talking about that person like that. Yeah. Mm. Or, hey, boys, we need to sit down and talk about mental health. 100%. And it takes so much can, more to do that. If we can do that, if we can have um, blokes talking about mental health and breaking the ice in the friendship group, um, then we can really do something about this stigma that is that is mental health, yeah. and that is talking about your feelings, talking about mental health, um, expressing your feelings, blokes crying, all that sort of yeah. stuff too. So, um, yeah, for for all the blokes listening, talk up, check in with your mates, please. That's our biggest our biggest message. Check in with your mates once a week, twice a week. Check in with yourself. Mm. Um, make sure you're looking after yourself just as much as you're looking after everyone else um, and be fucking kind. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, that is a great way to end. Oh. Thank you so much, Sean, for coming on our podcast. This has been like oh, – this Unreal. might be my favourite podcast to, <laughs> to do. Um, and if you guys want to find him, um, The Shaka Project, what's the handle on Instagram? Is it just we'll – Yeah, it just at The Shaka Project. Yeah, it'll, it'll be all in the all show in notes. notes. Um, Sean will also put your – a personal Instagram in the show notes as well. And yeah, guys, be fucking kind. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye guys. Bye.